0: Hi, Dave Emery here. This is For the Record, program number 1298, The End and the Beginning, Part 5. This is being recorded on May 8th of the year 2023. Before getting into the main body of the program, several points of information, please do get in the habit of checking the Spitfire list. Dot com website on a regular basis. Uh, there are a number of things I would call your attention to, uh, in particular, the brilliant contributions of our contributing editor, Tara Fractal. that is obviously a, uh, a non-opportune, so to speak. Uh, he is doing a great deal to uh I guess you could say, uh, stem the tide of horrible news, uh, he's, it's not that he's stemming the tide, but he's keeping us on top of it, sort of like uh, surfing his way along the river to hell. I mean, it, 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 that's maybe not the best metaphor, although given what I'm going to be talking about in this program, perhaps an appropriate one, uh, He is doing great work, and I would emphatically encourage you to please visit spitfirelist.com to stay up with those uh, comments. For those of you for whom podcasting is the best way to consume for the record, Sister Station WFNU, that's William Fred Mary Union FM, is podcasting for the record at the top of each written uh, for the record description and at the top of each Food for Thought post, there is a link which will enable you to subscribe to the podcast. Also, uh, I am almost ready to update the 3B2 gigabyte flash drive with all of my roughly 44 years of broadcasting on it and all of my written work uh, that will be updated through for the record 1300 which will be coming up and uh, again I am incredibly pessimistic about the future I'm going to present as best I can some of my own views about uh, spirituality, uh, life, the cosmos, and so forth. I think there is reason to be sort of metaphysically optimistic, to coin a term. But boy, am I pessimistic <laughs> about uh, what is taking place. I mean, me gods, this is uh, terrible, just terrible. But I think it is the responsibility, frankly, the karmic responsibility of uh, each and every listener as a sentient being to preserve the record of what has happened as best you can, and I can think of no better way of doing that than getting that 32-gigabyte flash drive with all of my life's work, both recorded and premed, all the terra fractals comments, all of the brilliant commentary that has been proffered by other commenters over the years and uh, preserve that for your descendants, and they will uh, be able to better comprehend what has taken place. There is also a mini-library of old anti-fascist books available on that uh, flash drive, and they are an easy-to-download PDF files, and again, I think a really essential... Element of our historical truth is, uh, and our, our history, why we have gotten ourselves into the horrible situation we are in. Uh, those anti-fascist books will give you a good perspective on that. Now, uh, as to the subject at hand, uh, I am again incredibly pessimistic about where things are going, I think. Uh, we are nearing the end of our civilization, and this, this program in particular just may not work because I'm going to attempt, uh, note, attempt to give, to communicate my views on the larger picture, life, uh, the universe, and so forth, and again, this may make some of you puke. It may make some of you want <laughs> to uh, not listen to the program. And so I, I can comprehend that. What brought this all into being was an observation, uh correct, I think, uh by a trusted associate who said that when I talk about people being doomed or when I talk about us being doomed, it just has the effect of depressing people and turning them off. And I, I certainly understand how that would be the case. Uh, he also, when I said, but you know, this individual has children, and when I mentioned that you, you, your children are doomed, you know, we've got to do something about this, and uh, he opined that that sounded like I was being manipulative, and again, I can understand that completely, but it leaves me in the position of, in effect, lying. If I say to you, well, I think everything's going to be okay. I mean, it may look a little bit dark and a little bit pessimistic, but if we all just think happy thoughts and if we uh, read our news, media, if we socially or if we organize our society politically, blah 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 blah, everything will be just hunky dory, or at least about peppy than they are now. Uh, that is all fine and well. But I think we're going to eat it raw as a species. Uh, when in the past philosophers have contemplated the future and uh, theologians, many of them have envisioned a time when people's capacity for evil would be met or would become commensurate with their technological capability of uh, empowering that evil or bringing it to be. I think that time has come. Uh, The ancient Hebrews called that time uh, Armageddon or the Battle of Megiddo. The Christians referred to it as the end times. The ancient Egyptians referred to it as the Age of Horus. Uh, the Hindus refer to it as the Kali Yuga. Some sects of Buddhism refer to it as the Great Shambhala War. Uh, basically, I think that the old warm and brown is hitting the spinning, furiously spinning fan, uh, blades of the fan, and we are all going to be doing the spot city breakdown, I think, before long. Uh, so many things are going on, and I've attempted to speak about those in the first four parts of this series, and I concluded the last program with an article I saw in the New York Times uh, more than 20 years ago, which led me to believe that there was something, that there is uh, a higher power, and if that very thought makes you want to toss your cookies, I believe me, I can understand that. I have not found religious doctrine in general to be very satisfactory at all. I have been very strongly influenced by some of the teachings of Buddhism, and I'm going to attempt. Note my use of the term attempt to factor those into this discussion. I do think that there is a physical reason to believe that there is more to this life than just a bunch of dumb molecules bumping into one another. And that ultimately you just uh, uh rot and that's it, you know, all she wrote. I don't believe that is consistent with what we know about the physical universe, and I'm going to attempt, please note the use of the word attempt, to communicate some of that, basically because I think that, you know, that associate... Who said that when I talk about us being doomed, it just depresses people. Doesn't <laughs> exactly set me to doing the varsity rag, I should say. And uh, it, it certainly is something that is going to turn people off. Life is bloody hard enough as is, you know, and if you've got kids, a family, uh, certainly Listening to someone speaking in that regard, in this case me, uh, is going to be very depressing and overwhelming, and it may just be that it will lead people to turn off. But when, when one contemplates what we have gotten to, uh, I think it is difficult to escape the conclusion that we are at the precipice and that um, we need to do something, people need to do something. I would be the last person in the world to try to recommend to you a course of action. It seems pretty obvious to me that acquiring and communicating the accurate information is essential. I don't see how people can possibly act effectively if they don't have the right information. And yet, at the same time, that information is so terrifying, so bad, that it could certainly lead people to want to just escape into uh, entertainment, uh, one form or another of substance abuse. There's a good book, about the history of people uh, basically getting themselves snockered one way or another, called The Pursuit of Oblivion. And I think that certainly confronting the overwhelming realities that confront us could lead someone in that direction. So believe me if if um what I'm talking about depresses you, overwhelms you, makes you fearful past the point of endurance, I can understand that I mean they won't call me good time day memory for nothing, okay, but uh I think it is essential for us not to play ostrich. it is essential for us not to stick our heads in the sand or. In in any other dark and uh, superficially looking, uh, uh, superficially appearing uh, comfortable whole of one kind or another. And uh, just contemplate what we have been through. It is said that we are emerging from the pandemic. Anyway, the WHO says so. Sounds to me like whistling through the graveyard, and I think that the, the evidence suggests, and I will update COVID at some point in the not too distant future, that the pandemic is by no means over. Uh, there are milder variants of COVID, of the SARS-CoV-2 that are, uh, coursing around the world. They produce milder initial disease, but there is a growing body of information that they do terrible things, in particular to the immune system. One thing that has been uh, established is that one of the reasons why COVID affects so many different parts of the body, is that the spike protein on SARS-CoV-2, that is the protein that binds initially with ACE2, it attacks the blood vessels. In other words, it, it attacks the vascular system, This the spike protein does. And you've got blood vessels everywhere, folks, and that appears to be one of the reasons why the disease attacks so many different things. Uh, The available evidence suggests that even mild SARS-CoV-2 infection shortens your life expectancy. And the reason why I began this series by looking at Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum, and his Nazi pedigree, uh, is that eugenics is a major feature of that pan-Nazi ideology, to coin the term. And I think SARS-CoV-2 is fulfilling the bill. It's getting rid of people with comorbidities. Uh, Going into 2022, one in every 100 Americans over the age of 65 or over had died of COVID. Well, there you go. There's a way to save money on Social Security. There's a way to save money on Medicare, too. It remains to be seen what uh, Aviator glasses Joe and Janet Yellen managed to do with uh, the imp- uh, approaching a debt limit uh, fandango that the Republicans are doing. They do this uh, periodically, and uh, one of these days I think they're just going to fandango a little bit too far. Uh, will they collapse the U.S. economy? Will they collapse the global economy? Well, tune in to our next exciting episode of uh, Dave Emery Discusses the End of the Bleepin' World, because it looks like that's where we're going. But uh, certainly... Getting rid of these troublesome old folks and getting rid of the troublesome people with, you know, a weight problem or a comorbidity like diabetes or whatever, that is a good way of trimming the excess population. And I think what Ebenezer Scrooge, uh, opined in Charles Dickens' The Christmas Carol is really the edict of, uh, Klaus Schwab and uh, the World Economic Forum. Eugenicists are us, so to speak. Just consider what I have discussed in the long, long, long series I have done. Uh, the Oswald Institute of Virology Programs for the record 1170, for the record 1183 through 1193, for the record 1215, and then the Pandemic's incorporated series that overlaps that of programs 1 through 10. Consider the new uh, medical DARPA in which uh, synthetic biology is going to be uh, allegedly harnessed to uh, cure cancer. Well, that's what we were told when Richard Nixon had his war on cancer back in the early 70s. That appears to have been, at least in part, a front for biological warfare, and one of the apparent outgoats of that was AIDS. To make a long story short, the population of the U.S. and the entire world has just been attacked by a U.S. biological warfare weapon, and people are sitting around uh, pulling their thumbs or doing something else i mean, it, 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 this is surreal to me and uh, it, increasingly things are looking like excerpts from rob swilling's old program the twilight zone rob swilling by the way uh saw heavy combat in the pacific he was a member of the 11th airborne division and i believe that he was of the original 5000 men in his brigade he was the only one of the original, uh, paratroopers in that brigade. 4,999 were killed or wounded. He was the only one left. That will give you, of the original brigade, all the rest were replacements. That will give you a Twilight Zone perspective. So things like this. It's a big, full page ad. In the Western print edition of the Sunday New York Times of Sunday, April 23rd of 2023, it's a new film by Bernard Henri DeVy called Slava Ukraini, that, uh, a glory to Ukraine, that was the salute of the OUNB and the UPA that were like, third-right allies, it has now been adopted as the official salute of the Ukrainian police and military. It is a Nazi, Ukrainian Nazi salute, okay? And now it is the title of a documentary by Bernard henri Lévy, and it is advertised in a full-page ad in the Bleepen New York Times. And if we turn the page... What's on the other side of this? Well, there is a picture of a Ukrainian battle tank. It says, Ukrainian soldiers heading toward the front last month near the city of Bakhmut. Well, very clearly visible on this tank is the Balkan Kreutz. That was the official symbol of the Wehrmacht and the Luftwaffe uh, adopted officially in 1935. So we, here we've got... A full-page ad in the goddamn New York Times, Slava Ukraini, the salute of the Nazi uh, OUNB and UPA, both key third like allies and the ideological and historical fulcrum of the current regime in Ukraine. Only this is a full-page ad in the New York Times. Slava Ukraini, uh, fancy Nancy Pelosi when uh, Volodymyr Zelensky bid his video appearance uh, before Congress. She greeted him with Slava Ukraine. Uh, this Nazi salute, but that's what the damn thing is, is really catching on. And then the New York Times, this is at least the third time in the last month plus that that or a similar picture, basically a Ukrainian battle tank with the Balkan koits on it. That is the symbol of the Wehrmacht and the Luftwaffe. And people are just going about with their teeth in their mouth. Uh, it really is like something from Rob Serling's Twilight Zone. And uh who knows what's going to happen with uh Ukraine. Uh, there is a lot of speculation that Ukraine may attack the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. That is the largest in Europe. What happens then? Uh, The US has set up radiation monitoring uh, technology in Ukraine. Will there be a nuclear or uh, derby bomb false flag in Ukraine designed to uh, basically touch off World War III? We'll see. That seems for fetched. Just look at the bleep in New York Times. I mean, full-page ad, Slava Ukraine. Oh, great. Why not Heil Hitler? That's, that's really essentially what they're saying. And then on the other side, you've got the Ukrainian tank with the Balkan courts. And, and the fact that you know, I, I have no idea if people have written letters to the editor saying, what the hell are you doing showing us a Ukrainian tank with the Balkan courts on it? But apparently not. And, uh, what the Russians are saying about, uh, Ukraine is basically true. Uh, I've been talking about that for years. You know, orgiastic documentation of that. And yet, now with the beginning of the Ukraine war, it has gone down the memory hole. Now if you state the obvious, uh, you become your Putin dupe or even a Russian agent. All told, I think we are headed for the old last roundup. Is there going to be a nuclear war? Will the new medical, uh, ARPA-H based on DARPA headed up by a, uh, DARPA veteran, Dr. Renee W., who was working for DARPA at the time, it was basically apparently involved in developing, uh, COVID? Will, uh, there be a biological weapon that will mutate in a way they hadn't uh, foreseen? Will the wrong mutagen hit the wrong nucleotide in the wrong gene in the wrong microorganism at the wrong time and will we basically eat it raw? Will we be killed by uh, uh, some monster biological weapon that mutated out of control? Will uh, c- climate change give us? Uh, in part two of this series, I spoke about uh, Gordon McDonald, a Pentagon scientist who envisioned increasing the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere over and in the country as a weapon of mass destruction. Is that what's going on now? Who knows? Or will it be AIs? New York Times, again, I read this last week, Tuesday, May 2nd of 2023. AI to Read Your Mind is up next. Oh, goody. By Oliver Wang, W-H-A-N-G. Think of the words whirling around in your head. That tasteless joke you wisely kept to yourself at dinner. Your unvoiced impression of your best friend's new partner. Now imagine that someone could listen in. On Monday, scientists from the University of Texas at Austin made another step in that direction. In a study published in the journal Nature Neuroscience, the researchers described an AI that could translate the private thoughts of human subjects by analyzing uh, FMRI scans, which measure the flow of blood to different regions in the brain. In other words, the AIs, the way they're moving, will be able to read your mind. They've already been learned to lie. Uh, they've already been learned to develop a language that their programmers could not understand. That is very significant. And again, as uh, saved an individual, as the late uh, genius physicist Stephen Hawking uh, predicted that AIs, if they were left to develop unchecked, would exterminate us. And uh, who knows, we may just... Find out, huh? Uh, if in fact that happens, uh, one of the brutal searing ironies, is that, uh, among the first to go are going to be the people at the NSA and the other, uh, five eyes, DCHQ, what have you. Because those will be the only people who might be able to threaten the realm of the AIs. If this Mind-reading capability develops. Uh, Counterintelligence officers may very well be among the first people to get zapped because the AI's will read their mind, and they'll say, "Look at all those unclean thoughts. Let's give And then the uh, uh, AI-run robot drones will zap them. Who knows? Anyway, I couldn't be more pessimistic, but. I've said that before. Uh, I'm going to ruminate again. This is probably going to suck. It probably won't work, but I've got to try. Uh, life itself, uh, what is it? It is a form of energy. This isn't some new agey thing. That's what life is. It is a form of energy. Each of us is a biosystem imbued with energy. Energy cannot be created, it cannot be destroyed, it changes form. Even the energy in the chemical bonds of the molecules in your body changes form. That's why after you die, you wind up with flies in your eyes and mushrooms come out of your expletive because the chemical energy in the molecules is changing. There also is provably, there are, I should say, more than the dimensions that we experience with our senses, height, width, depth, and volume. How many more, I don't know. But I suspect that what has been traditionally viewed as the realm of the spiritual or metaphysical has something to do with those dimensions we don't directly experience with our senses. Also, it has been scientifically established that most of the universe is dark energy and dark matter, and uh, they don't know what the heck that is. I suspect that what is generally discussed as metaphysics... And spirituality has something to do with that as well. Some of the basic teachings, I think, of Buddhism are instructive in this regard. The Buddha viewed what he called attachment or desire as the key to existence. Uh, if you want something, two basic possibilities, uh, can happen. One, you won't get what you want and that will make you miserable or you'll get what you want, but you want to keep it, and you can't keep anything past a point that will make you miserable in the long run. I think the breakthrough in Buddhism, the genius of the Buddha, was that what the Buddha was seeing as attachment or desire was the subjective experience of gravity as it is perceived by a sentient being. The attraction between energy and matter, or between energy and energy, or between matter and matter. Again, I think the Buddha was right. And I think the essential genius, the breakthrough of Buddhism was that the Buddha correctly understood that gravity is arguably the dominant element in our experience on this earth. Buddhism itself has had many different uh, and highly variegated uh, evolutionary uh, uh, sects or elements. And I think many of those are full of it. But I think the basic concept, the basic breakthrough of the Buddha, that desire or attachment is what governs our existence, is correct. And what I think the Buddha correctly observed was the effect of gravity. Again, the attraction between matter and matter, or between energy and matter, or even between energy and energy. And I think that is instructive. One of the things that obtains uh, in the Newtonian universe, and that is uh, the principle that for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. I think that dovetails very nicely with the principle of Karma. If you strike a blow at someone, then there will be a blow or a an equal reaction in the opposite direction, if not in this realm, then perhaps in another uh It was one of the one of the precepts of the Buddhist teachings dovetails with the basic teachings of Dante's Inferno that the greatest evil. Is those is, is experienced or manifested by those who could have prevented evil but chose not to act okay the greatest of all evils is manifested by those who could have prevented evil but who chose not to act the two basic types of energy in the Newtonian universe are uh, kinetic and potential if a blow is struck, then sooner or later there is a blow struck in the opposite direction in order to balance the, uh, the striking of the original blow. If you could have expended energy to stop that blow being struck, either by persuading the person who was about to strike not to do that, or by physically interdicting their blow, but you chose not to act, then ultimately what comes back to you is not only the kinetic energy of the blow itself, but the potential energy that you chose not to expend in order to help, uh, to prevent that evil, to prevent the suffering that comes from someone being struck. And though that sounds crazy, I strongly suspect that the principle of reincarnation is accurate. Uh, If one perceives wanting or desire as the subjective experience of gravity, as I believe it is, and I think that is the fundamental breakthrough of Buddhism, if a human existence is bound, sufficiently bound by gravity, it makes a certain amount of cosmic sense that ultimately the energy of life and and people are a an energy manifestation. Life is a form of energy will be somehow recreated or recapitulated within the earth 's gravitational and electromagnetic field indeed, human beings are made of water, the human nervous system is electrochemical in nature, and the human body is surrounded by an electromagnetic field, as is the earth itself. I strongly suspect that if a human life, if that energy phenomenon that is a human life is sufficiently bounded by gravity, uh, or what the Buddha called desire or attachment, then ultimately that the core of that existence will be recreated or recapitulated within the Earth's electromagnetic and gravitational field. And ultimately, uh, nature seeks balance. And I think that that is the essence of the law of karma. And I strongly suspect that reincarnation is a fact, again, for some of the reasons I have enumerated, or with some of the variables I have enumerated. And if this doesn't work for you, again, I suspect that this film might not, and that it might suck. But this is what I believe. And I think that there ultimately is... Reason to believe that acting morally, acting intelligently, is the way to go. Uh, there was an article that appeared in the Western print edition of the New York Times more than 20 years ago. I read that into the record in part at the conclusion of the show yesterday. I've used it before on this program. It is from the New York Times of April 30th of 2001. As uh, by Jane's glance, listen closely, from timey hum came Big Bang. Two detectors in Antarctica had discovered minute patterns in a glow from primordial gases, possible traces of the cosmic match that ignited the Big Bang and led to the creation of the universe 14 billion years ago, astronomers announced here today. The patterns, astronomers said, were probably created by microscopic processes, energy fluctuations at the quantum scale that were at work when the universe was a tiny fraction of a second old and smaller than a human fist. The new observations do not see the quantum fluctuations directly, but instead have found traces of colossal waves, much like sound waves that the fluctuations probably set in motion roiling the young universe. Basically, these are harmonics, enormous harmonics of a tiny event, analogous to a sound that began the universe, basically. Continuing, the leading theory of how the universe could have exploded out of the primordial nothingness known as the theory of inflation predicts that the quantum fluctuations should have rattled the universe in such a way that it resonated like a vast organ pipe with one main tone or wavelength and a series of overtones or harmonics. Last year, the boomerang team detected the main tone, but found no clear evidence for the overtones, raising the possibility that the inflation theory could be wrong, since much of the information about the fluctuations, like their relative intensity and spectrum, would reside in the characteristics of the overtones, those results raised the prospect that few remnants of the initial spark might be found. The results also provide major support for ideas closely associated with Dr. David Schramm, S C H R A M M, a Chicago cosmologist who died in a plane crash late in 1997. Dr. Schramm and his colleagues worked out a theory unrelated to inflation using trace elements created in the Big Bang explosion to gauge the amount of ordinary matter in the universe. Those values agree closely with the amounts deduced from the intensity of the sound wave overtones. That intensity is affected by the sloughing of matter in the sound wave's peaks and troughs. What made the sound? Again, they think it was some microscopic process. They don't really know, but it appears that the universe as we understand it, or the Big Bang, began with a sound or a tone, and that the harmonics of that, enormous waves, are present in the universe. Well, what made the tone? They don't know, and I don't know, but I think there is something we could call it perhaps consciousness, not some, not some new agey term, it's an operational definition. And again, operational definition. Something made the tone. Something is there. And I think, again, the Buddha had a major breakthrough in human thought. And again, what he identified as desire or attachment is the subjective experience of gravity as it is perceived by a sentient being. And if we are sufficiently bound by gravity, we are, in the most literal sense of the word, selfish. And we will, in all probability, be reincarnated at some point, simply because we will be bound by gravity, we will be reincarnated within the Earth's gravitational and electromagnetic field. Again, I know this sounds maybe far-fetched, or way out, but I myself believe this. I think there is something. I don't know what the cosmic consciousness, the the consciousness that produced the tone of which there are the harmonics, I don't know what that was. Uh, I would not call it a god. I, I think it is a consciousness of a supreme and divine nature, but again, all the... Uh, portrayals at, of a supreme being that I've encountered basically don't cut it, in my opinion. Uh, uh, we, we, When we think of God, we think of, you know, some senile, vengeful old bugger sitting on a golden throne hurling lightning bolts at fornicators, and I don't think that cuts it. I'm going to... Uh, introduce into the discussion, and, and again, I can appreciate that this may not work for people. But there is a book that was published in 1994 called "The Physics of Immortality" by Frank J. Pipler. P I P L E R. He is a physicist, and he didn't believe in Jack. He didn't believe in squat, uh, and he began playing around with string theory and higher mathematics and came up with uh, what he considered to be a proof of the existence of a supreme being that he calls the Omega Point, and uh, a, an Omega Point at which every human being who had ever lived would be reincarnated. Now, I know that sounds way out. Uh This book itself is very heavy-duty physics. I find it all... Well, not exactly impenetrable, but boy is it hard going. Do you know what a parsec is? I did not. It's 3.26 light years. And that's just a pay me, pay me, pay me sample of what is, uh, in this book. And again, it, it is, most of the book is very dense physics. Uh, but again, it, it, entails the proof not only of a supreme being here called the Omega Point, but the eventual reincarnation of everyone who has ever lived. And I know that sounds like, oh, Jesus, what has Dave been smoking? <laughs> and uh, uh, I know it sounds that way. I'm going to read part of the introduction to the book. And if this doesn't work for you, if this sucks, well, that's I'm doing the best I can. I think there is something. I do not think that uh this world is just a bunch of dumb molecules bumping into one another. There are too many different things that argue against that. And I'm going to share part of the introduction to this book. And uh Frank Piplett, by the way, the book is published in softcover by Anchor Books, Uh, a division of Random House, and it's copyrighted 1994 by Frank J. Tipler. And by the way, uh, one of the things that informed this inquiry was his awareness of the Third Reich and Nazism and extermination. The dedication to the grandparents of my wife, the great-grandparents of my children, Yosefa... uh, Basaruska, and Adam Rokiki, that's B-A-S-A-R-E-W-S-K-A, and Adam Rokiki, capital R-O-K-I-C-K-I, shot to death by the Nazis in 1939 for the crime of being Poles. Josef Basaruski, uh, B-A-S-A-R-E-W-S-K-I, tortured by the Gestapo and died shortly thereafter all three being citizens of Torun, Poland, the birthplace of Copernicus, who died in the hope of the universal resurrection and whose hope, as I shall show in this book, will be fulfilled near the end of time. And I think it is appropriate, (laughs) as we see the New York Times of this nauseating, full pay head Slava Ukraine, the baffle cry, the salute of the Nazi-alive OUNB and UPA, the descendant organizations of which are in power in Ukraine. Then on the other side, with no commentary at all, a Ukrainian battle tank with the Balkan course, the symbol of the Wehrmacht and the Luftwaffe, and I can just hear the theme song from Bob Sterling's old Twilight Zone program. Bing, 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 Forgive the bad singing, but uh, it is... It, uh, I, I think the the dedication here is appropriate. The introduction to Frank Pipler's The Physics of Immortality. This book is a description of the Omega Point Theory, which is a testable physical theory for an omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent God who will one day in the far future resurrect every single one of us to live forever in an abode which is in all essentials the Judeo-Christian heaven. Every single term in the theory, for example, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, resurrection, spiritual Bobby, heaven, will be introduced as pure physics concepts in this, pure, pure physics, have it one more time, every single term in the theory, for example, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, resurrection Bobby, heaven, will be introduced as pure physics concepts. In this book, I shall make no appeal anywhere to Revelation. I shall appeal instead to the solid results of modern physical science. The only appeal will be to the reader's reason. I shall describe the physical mechanism of the universal resurrection. I shall show exactly how physics will permit the resurrection to eternal life, of everyone who has lived, is living, and will live. I shall show exactly why this power to resurrect, which modern physics allows, will actually exist in the far future, and why it will, in fact, be used. If any reader has lost a loved one, or is afraid of death, Modern physics says, be comforted, you and they shall live again. I note to whom this was uh, dedicated. The resurrection theory requires us to accept that a human being is a purely physical object, an energy system, if you will, as I said, a biochemical machine completely and exhaustively described by the known laws of physics. There are no mysterious vital forces. More generally, it requires us to regard a, quote, person, unquote, as a particular, very complicated type of computer program. The human soul, unquote, is nothing but a specific program being run on a computer machine called the brain. I shall show that accepting this allows us to show not only that we shall be resurrected to eternal life, but also that we have free will. We are indeed machines, but we, in contrast to the machines we ourselves have built, possess true free will." That we have free will that God exists and that he will one day resurrect each and every one of us to eternal life is not what one expects to be the message of physics, to say the least, or she or I think, as I believe, not a he or a she, but an it, an energy phenomenon that is so far beyond us that really we can only conceive of it and again I think that energy phenomenon might be called consciousness what made that piny tone and the we now see the uh, harmonics in enormous waves in the universe so again I don't like the he here let's call it he she or it that we have free will that God exists and that he she or it will one day resurrect each and every one of us to eternal life is not what one expects to be the mes- message of physics to say the least. One is accustomed to hear instead that the message of science is we are mechanistic puppets of blind, impersonal, and deterministic natural laws, nothing remotely like a personal God exists, and when we're dead, we're dead, and that's the end of it. The latter has indeed been the message of science for a very long time now. This has now changed. The cause of the change is that cosmologists have finally asked the fundamental question. How exactly will the physical universe evolve in the future? What exactly will be the final state of the cosmos? In particular, do the physical laws permit life to continue to exist until this final state? Or is the extinction of life inevitable. It is obvious that these questions are questions of physics, and thus physical science cannot be considered complete until they are answered. Heretofore, science has concerned itself with what the universe is like now and what it was like in the past. But the universe has existed for only 20 billion years. Whereas, if the physical laws as we understand them are even remotely correct, the universe will continue for at least another 100 billion years and almost certainly much longer. In other words, almost all of space and time lies in the future. One more time. In other words, almost all of space and time lies in the future. By focusing attention only on the past and present, science has ignored almost all of reality. Since the domain of scientific study is the whole of reality, it is about time science decided to study the future of the evolution of the universe. A problem immediately arises. The basic questions Physicists use in cosmology the Einstein field equations are maximally chaotic. This means that without further assumptions, it becomes impossible to say anything at all about the state of the universe after a time which in short in cosmo- after a time which is short in cosmological terms. But which additional assumptions should we make? The assumption, which I consider the most beautiful, the most fruitful, which is the basis of this book, was proposed by the physicists J. B. S. Haldane, h a l b a m e John Bernal, B-E-R-N-A-L, Paul Burach D-I-L-A-C, and Freeman Bison, B-Y-S-O-N. Let the universe be such that life can continue until the end of time, literally forever. I pointed out in the preface that chaos itself makes this assumption plausible, and that said assumption solves the prediction problem. As will be seen, this assumption clears up a huge number of puzzles in physics, such as which boundary condition to impose on the universal wave function and even why the universe exists at all. The assumption also leads inexorably to the above theological conclusions. Physics has at last invaded the territory of theology. But the moment's reflection shows that this rapid development was inevitable. Either theology is pure nonsense, a subject with no content, or else theology must ultimately become a branch of physics. The reason is simple. The universe is defined to be the totality of all that exists, the totality of reality. Thus, by definition, if God exists, he, she, or it is either the universe or part of the universe. The goal of physics is understanding the ultimate nature of reality. If God is real, physicists will eventually find him, her, or it. I shall argue in this book that physics may have, in fact, found him, her, or it. He, she, or it is actually everywhere. We have not seen him, her, or it only because we have not looked at the universe on a sufficiently large scale. We have not looked for the person in the machine. The omega point theory will require looking at God in a non-traditional way. But I think this new way is already present in modern theology. Well, again, and the book itself is heavy-duty physics. It is not an easy read. No, no, not by any means. And uh, let's just say I have a tough time with this. Um Again, what uh, I believe is one of the great breakthroughs in human thinking was the Buddha. And again, I think what what, uh, the Buddha observed about what uh, he called desire or uh, uh, attraction or wanting is accurate. If you want something and you don't get it, that makes you miserable. But if you want something and then you get it, Uh, you want to keep it, or, as I believe, you want more. One of the interesting things is that money is a form of information, and information is a form of energy. This isn't some New Agey thing. This is physics. And I think one of the dominant breakthroughs is to understand greed as a function of physics and uh, information theory, and even what the Buddha saw as as attraction, or wanting, or desire. Again, energy, uh, money, is a form of information. This isn't New Age, that is physics. And information is a form of energy. I think that explains an awful lot. Particularly in the world we have, where so many people have become completely overwhelmed by wanting, by desire. They want money. They want more money. They want more money still. And that leaves an awful lot of people without enough money because some few people have an awful lot. And uh, it's got to circulate, but if it doesn't circulate, then you have problems. And uh, we are indeed having those problems. And uh, again, this book is heavy-duty physics. Uh, (laughs) It is not an easy read, and I would be the first to confess that uh, I have a very difficult time with it. And uh, that is what the the author here has basically uh, set out to do. In the preface, he observes, it is quite rare in this day and age to come across a book proclaiming the unification of science and religion. It is unique to find the book asserting, as I shall in the body of this book, that theology is a branch of physics, that physicists can infer by calculation the existence of God and the likelihood of the resurrection of the dead to eternal life in exactly the same way as physicists calculate the properties of the electron. One naturally wonders if I am serious. I am quite serious, but I am as surprised as the reader. And please note the dedication in this book. To the grandparents of my wife, the great-grandparents of my children, you'll see the cap of J O S J O Z E F A, Bazaruska, B-A-S-A-R-E-W-S-K-A, and Adam Rokiki, R-O-K-I-C-K-I shot to death by the Nazis in 1939 for the crime of being Poles. And Yosef Bazalewski, capital J-O-Z-E-F-B-A-S-A-R-E-W-S-K-I, tortured by the Gestapo and died shortly thereafter, all three being citizens of Peru and Poland, the birthplace of Copernicus. And now, here we have slava Full page ad in the New York Times, a salute of the OUNB and the UPA who slaughtered the Poles in the Polish Ukrainian War, sort of a war within the war of nineteen forty four. Again, this may not work, probably won't, but uh <laughs> it's what I believe, and uh we are headed into the old final roundup. This concludes for the record program number twelve hundred and ninety-eight. The end and The Beginning, Part 5. This is being recorded on May 8th of the year 2023. I'm Dave Emery. Have fun.